Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. to the Waterbally podcast. My name is Andy Waterson and I am back. Yes, I did miss last week's. Um, had a bit of a family emergency, but thanks very much to Gary for taking the reins on that one. And thank you very much for for Nat, for Nat Barrel for coming on and talking over Manchester United. It was a really, really good podcast. Um, I am joined as ever by Gary Clark. How are we doing, Gary? Yeah, I'm doing good, mate. And you? Yeah, I'm yeah, better than I was last week, but yeah, I'm really, really good. And, and this you. weekend... Um, we've had some last day dramas. In fact, the last two weekends we've had some last day dramas. And to talk over that, um, we have got Paul Wheeler. How are we doing, Paul? Not too bad. How was yourself? Good to be back on. Yeah, good to have you back on, mate. It's uh, always nice to speak to you. And for the fourth time, we have the wonderful Lucy Ford. How are we doing, Lucy? I'm doing very well, thank you. Still, still buzzing, if, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I think we're going to have to start paying you at the minute, the way this is going. I have to give you a wage all <laughs> the time you've been on, but it's always good to have you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I bet you're both buzzing, actually, after what, what's happened. We're going to start with Country United, Paul. Um, obviously, we had you on in January, and we were discussing, you know, the club went bust, it was it was bought out, and there was a 10-point deduction. You know, we weren't thinking, are they going to stay up, are they going to go down? What's happened since then? And obviously, it, it accumulated in a massive drama on the last day. But what happened from then on? You know, 
the results obviously picked up, or was it you know just a case of we'll catch we'll catch Watford by any means necessary? You stand the quiet second half of the season, you know, FA Cup <laughs> run to the cup final, um, eight game unbeaten run after losing the first two games back, in which there were I'm just going back through five clean sheets. Um, every win I think was one nil. And then you, and basically kept hauling slowly, pulling back and pulling back to the point that they had to win their final home game against Lewis and hope Watford lost to Crystal Palace. Because um, if Watford had got anything from their game, that would have been it. Mm-hmm. I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember now. So much has happened. No. If Watford had drawn and Coventry United had won, it would have still been the same, but it would have been three points instead of two. So Coventry would have stayed up on goal difference as opposed to um, as opposed to you know actually staying up by one point. And then of course there was the shot heard round the world, Molly Green's free kick, ninety um, eighth minute. <laughs> standard, standard quiet end to a season that was. Yeah, I mean, just for anyone who is on Twitter and wants to listen to that commentary that that Paul's put on, it's absolutely tremendous. I mean, we'll we'll go on to like what, what that that January when we last spoke, we were all like we were in the middle of if they go down, they go down. They, they will lose some players, this, that, and the other. But the belief from from everyone involved, like obviously we talk, we're you know, we're friends on uh, on a WhatsApp group together, the Women's Football Fan Collective, and just the belief from yourself, the belief from the club, the belief from the, the new owner, the players, and everything like that was was just second to none, wasn't it? And it, it had to have that belief. They could have easily gone on the shelves and thought, you know what, yeah, if what's happened happened, we'll we'll come straight back up next season or whatever. But they were like, No, no, never mind that. We're gonna stay out of it. I mean, every single one of, of that club needs a massive pat on the back, you know, to to a to a to a man, to a lady, to whoever really, you know, even the woman who makes the tease. You know, what a pat on the back they deserve, don't they? It does. I mean, it was really weird because they kind of swept me along with it. Because as as you know from our conversations in like and um, the fan group and whatever else, I was mentally prepared. I think towards the end of the year, I was obviously hoping, but I was prepared. I was starting to think, you know, if they go down, they go down, because, and then they just kept pulling out results, and it got to the point every week where I remember asking Joe Potter, the head coach, who um, Jay's assistant, who's a lady with more than experience of pressure situations. She's played for England. She's won the FA Cup with Birmingham and all sorts. And I think that experience, just the way she and Jay had the whole team going. No, this is we're doing this. And Katie Wilkinson as the captain as well. Like you on Twitter, she every week it was, you know, the huge point, we're gonna do this. And I think it was it was just an attitude of, all right, get on with it. Like you say, they could have gone into their shells and moaned about it, but they were just like it was almost your classic Coventry attitude, your classic possibly Sunderland attitude as well, of right, we're against the old we'll flip and show them. Yeah, they just went out and did it every week. It was like a never see a die actually, wasn't it? I mean, I can remember when uh, Sunderland played Coventry at, at Ebbledon and Coventry put up a, a hell of a defence, you know what I mean? They, they didn't really want to attack. I think they were like, we don't lose because Watford were playing Durham and, um, you know, Watford were expected to lose off Durham. It nearly went horribly wrong. But at the end of that game, and I don't know if it was the same in any other games, Paul, because I didn't really watch many of the other Coventry games, 
But at the end of that, end of that game, Sunderland had two very good chances and, and two absolutely phenomenal saves from the Company United goalkeeper. And, and was that just the case of, you know, because you scored a few last-minute goals as well, uh, it was just a case of just a never-say-die attitude towards the end? It was. that. I mean, Lucy Thomas had, came in as kind of the second goalie because Liv Clark, as Welsh international, was kind of seen as the first goalie. And then... And then they had the struggles of the first half of the season. And then Lucy Thomas came in and just hit a run of form at the right time. And I remember I remember saying while we were losing to uh, Connor in the middle of that eight game, I think it was, losing run. Um, I remember saying, you know, if you want a bad run, you want it at the beginning of the season, not at the end of the season. I didn't quite expect it to be <laughs> a season of two halves almost. But yeah, it was it was the attitude of backs against the wall like Joe said we we were playing in cup final since February mm. and I think it to some degree it was almost that Arsenal quarter final that solidified the rest of the season because nobody gave him a chance in that game at all because Arsenal as we know one of the best women's teams probably in Europe and for 40 minutes Arsenal didn't know what to do because Coventry just set up in front of them and blocked everything yeah and you, you saw the players' confidence grow during that game of, hold on, we're playing the best players in the world here and they don't know what to do. And, you know, it seems weird to talk about a 4-0 loss in a quarter-final as the one that really gave people the belief they can do this. But we were coming up, we were back on the coach from Ball and Wood and we were like, we play like that against the championship. We're doing this mm-hmm. easily. Play like that against any championship team and there's more than a chance of getting points. Yeah. And like today, it was just, you shall not pass, and then we'll let Wilco get a goal at the other end or find a way to get through and the late and the late goals and penalties. And if you'd written, I'll keep saying, it's like you've, you've got two, because Lucy will probably say this about Mr. Rovers as well. If you wrote a movie about it, people wouldn't believe it. No, no. Mm. No, ex- exactly not, especially with obviously that point seduction. And I mean, it is sad that a team have to go down, but I don't remember that that game when Sunderland played. Now, half didn't want Sunderland to score. And that's like, I've never wanted that before in my life. I was like, I'd have been over the moon had we'd won, but I was still, you know, by the end of it. But we'll, we'll fast forward to the, the week going up to the Watford game. And I remember you saying in our, um, in our group chat that Watford had gone through this kind of second scenario of if we go down, we can do this. And I remember one thing that you'd said, and that was, Coventry is saying, we're not talking about going down. And that's how confident they were of staying up in that week. Do you think that's what kind of got them to it at the end, where it was just this, we're not thinking about that now, you know? We're thinking about beating Watford, doing, getting the job done. And then if, if we don't get the job done, we'll think about that, you know, next week or the week after, whatever, you know what I mean? It was such a great attitude to have, I think. It was it was banned like literally. I remember after the Lewis game, we were talking about obviously you know we'd made it to the final day. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, if we win next week, and Jay Bradford actually stopped me and went, no, when we win next week, you're not allowed to say if. And I kind and I kind of sat there and went, that it's stupid because you know traveling with them and stuff. I was part of the team, but not because I was obviously privy to training and stuff like that, but. I was still covering it on the outside, so there were still some things I didn't get to learn. But that was the point where I'm like, no, everybody in this room is considered part of the inner circle of the team. And 
are therefore all required to have the attitude that we're staying up. I mean, I went when I went in when I went in on Friday. I wrote about it in the article I put up for 71. It got to the point where we parked when Connor gave me a lift to the press conference. He parked the car, realised he'd not parked it in the same place as he parked it the previous six weeks, and went out and moved it. And it seemed perfectly rational. And it was, you know, everyone's like, we're pulling together. And then we had um, Anna Wilcox come in. And the first thing she said to us was, I can't believe we're staying up. You know, this is this is the Friday before the game. But yeah. they were going on the Friday before the game going, we're doing this. Yeah. And so thing- we'll talk about the day in general then. I mean, nerves must be jangling anywhere. You, you, you travel down, you got in on the, on the team bus, didn't you? I, I saw a few, few, few of your pictures and all that, walking into Watford and all that. You know, walking the players' entrance, I mean, what a thrill that must have been. But how were the nerves in on that day travelling down? I mean, that must have been the longest court ride of your life. For me personally, I was I was a bit nervous, but you'd think you'd think they were going on holiday. Yeah, you'd think they were going not so much on an end of season jolly, but you know you'd think they were going to a cup final, and there were no nerves. There was music playing loud. There was singing. There was, you know, people had bought beers on the coach in preparation for post game. You know, there's. There were jokes about, oh, we'll stick those there. Stick them, stick them on ice because we'll need those. It wasn't arrogant because, you know, if some people will listen to it, certainly Watford fans might listen to it and think, that's arrogance. It's not. It was just, we're not allowed. It's a positive. We're not even allowing ourselves to consider losing. We'll deal with that when it happens. But, yeah, you know, there's a it's, difference it's, between confidence and arrogance, though, isn't there? I, I know exactly where you're coming from there. It's confidence, it's, it's not arrogant. Yeah, it's, we know we can do this. We know we can beat Watford. We've scored eight goals past them and only conceded one in the three games we played against them. Yeah, the old, you know, the attitude is all the pressure's on them. They have to stop us scoring. Yeah, I mean, exactly. and, and, and you guys had to go and win. Um, obviously, it's a very, very tense game. Um, Watford, I think, defended really, really well. Defended for their lives, to be honest. And it comes to, it comes to the ninety-eighth minute. And you get a free kick, it's about, what, 30 yards out. Are you thinking there straight away that Molly's shaping up to shoot? Or are you thinking, put it in the box, get everybody up, win a header or something like that? I mean, because was, wasn't there, there was like 10 minutes added on or something like that. But yeah. I mean, like, what do you think of before that goes in? And then I'm going to get your thoughts about after it goes in as well. I mean, honestly, on commentary, I remember a moment before, because Grace Wiggler hit the post on like nine one minutes with a header and I remember looking across at Connor and I remember looking at the Watford media staff who are who were amazing by the way you know the most sportsman like people need to pay tribute to them because they could have easily reacted heartbroken but we'll get we'll get to that and it hit the bottom of the post and I remember looking at him and I said something like that could have been the moment and in my head, I was already preparing that, yeah, that's it. This is the one where we get so close. And it's your classic, you know, Gaza at Euro 96 moment. Yeah. Um, and time just kept ticking. And then Watford got the ball in the corner and held it in there for 30 seconds. And I'm sat there waiting for the whistle. And it just didn't come. And then they broke it out. And I'll never know why, but rather than just going back to the corner, they struck one at goal. And it was about three yards wide and bounced off the back hoardings. And Lucy Thomas is sat there going, you know, waving everybody forward. So everyone goes charging up. She lumps it forward. Grace Rigler, I think, won a header. 
uh, ricochet to Katie Wilkins. I can see it. If I shut my eyes, I can see it. It's mm -hmm. weird. And then Katie Morris picked up a loose ball and started to like break forward, got away from a defender, got yanked back. She went down and then free kick. And I'm like, this is Molly Green territory. I don't know whether she's going to hit it or what, but this is just within her range. And she put it down. And about 15 minutes earlier, there'd been a free kick in a slightly nearer position. And they'd had a discussion over it because there's about three free kick takers in the Coventry team. Katie Wilkinson had taken it and it had kind of gone through. And Georgia Ferguson, the Watford goalie, who was immense throughout mm -hmm. that game, compared to her, she held everything. Um, I just held it. And so I'm like, okay, this is a free kick, 35 yards from goal. She might hit it, but I can see it. I can see it getting hit, and you know, your classic stick stuck into the stand, just over whatever else, and that's it. I saw replace it, and I was hoping. But if I sat here and said I was expecting that, I'd be lying. Like genuinely, I just saw her run up, and I think I said. As she stood back and kind of waved everybody away, and I just kind of said something like, Molly Green, I'll think about hitting this one. And then she did, and then everything went white. <laughs> <laughs> it's a phenomenal strike as well. It, I mean, how... It, it, I mean, I know I've seen Molly Green play a couple of times. She's an excellent fullback. Don't get us wrong. Really, really good player. But what kind of... It, it's like the David Beckham against Greece moment, isn't it, where... It takes some like kind of guts, really, and some confidence in yourself to think, you know what, this might be the last chance of the game we're going to get. I'm going to whack this. And it just flies into the corner. I mean, no one's saving that, Alan. It's a, it's a beautiful goal. It, 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 she put it on a postage stamp, and I'm sure Luke has had this, I'm sure you've had this, where you've been at games, and they're either distance strikes or they're last-minute winners or whatever, and you see the ball heading for the net, and time slows down. Yeah, yeah. Watching it back, you see it fly for about a second, but I swear watching it, it took about five or six seconds. And I had I remember I you know, it's your classic sports movie moment where it's flying and I'm watching this and going, it's beating the wall, it's still going, it's online, it's low enough, no way and then bang, ripples the net, and I'm just sat there going. No way has that gone in. <laughs> I think it went onto autopilot. And I think I actually, I was quite chuffed because I actually got, I had, I know there's a lot of mockery of commentators who sometimes have line prepares, line prepared, but the only line I could think of was like one of the most famous commentary lines of all time from the ice hockey miracle on ice with the film that Disney made, the Do You Believe in Miracles? And I was just like, if I don't get to pay tribute to it now, I'm never going to say it. Yeah. That, and bang, that was where that scream came from. It was paying tribute to one of my favourite sports moments. And then just the rest of it was yelling. Yeah. <laughs> Total outpouring of emotion, wasn't it? You know, you, you could see, you could, you could tell your voices was was quavering, you know what I mean? And that, it was just a total outpour. But didn't Watford have a chance as well after that, as well, to, to, to actually equalise? Well, it was weird because there was... There was about a minute of celebrations, and then just Watford, Brickery. I've never heard a ground go silent like that before. I've heard I've heard full grounds kind of go quiet, but I've never heard, you could have heard a pin drop inside there. And to hear that in a Premier League ground is weird, even if it's no even if it's nowhere near full. Just to hear it where you can 
it's almost like the air had been sucked out of the home fans who'd been quite noisy up to that point. And then all of a sudden, Watford just go forward, lump it forward, gets headed away. And then there was just a nothing pass. And it went just behind Liv Ferguson, who's a striker who was somehow at centre-back. Absolute chaos. And I just saw the Watford player tearing into the box, the left corner of the box, and my brain just went, oh, no, this is this is the twist the other way. She's going to hammer that in, into the top corner. And she hammered it straight at Lucy Thomas, and Lucy Thomas held it as long as she could, thumped it forward, another Watford free kick. And I'm sat there looking because at Vicarage Road, they don't have the time. Mm. Like, on the scoreboard, it just had 90 plus seven. Yeah, yeah. We're in about the ninth minute here now. And the ball just got thumped forward again and it beat everybody and bounced and just dropped. And I thought, that's dropping in. That's going to be a free goal dropping in. And I remember Lucy Thomas just kind of leaping and she didn't actually touch it because it was dropping just behind. But, you know, the classic goalie of, I'm going to have to leap for this at the last second. And she almost pulled her hand out the way to not give away a corner. And then she thumps it forward and then there was 10 seconds of ricochets back and forth and then bang final whistle an absolute absolute pandemonium such as it was and that was that and I and I and that was the point where I went I literally was on air with tears streaming down my face and it's because I because you know I know commentators are supposed to be somewhat neutral but when it's your team and you've lived with these people and traveled back and forth and know them as people rather than just as commentators i'm just like i can't believe we've done this this is incredible and that was that yeah i mean just it was just amazing i mean i think i think everybody's second favorite ladies team after i especially after something for me it was like i just wanted just to stay up just after what happened and everything like that you know it comes back next season i won six points you know what i mean completely won six points off you guys but it'll just be great there to play is it after after what could have happened at christmas it could have been this could, could have been no more and they've done it you know as you said miracles do happen but uh what are you thinking about for next year is, is it just building up on on what's going on obviously we've got birmingham coming down uh there's, there's a playoff um between southampton and wolves to come up um so and, and whoever comes about that's going to throw money at it so it's going to be a competitive league i think next season but where do you think we can finish next year um it depends how many players we keep mm. with that with that team playing like that a full season upper mid table is a, you know minimum if you like because it was something like 16 points from eight games which over a full season would be 35 40 points which would have been good enough for second or third so if they can keep that team together and hopefully maybe add another striker to support katie wilkinson then depending on what other teams do I don't think it'll be a relegation. I hope it won't be a relegation battle next year. But I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say promotion because there's only one up from the WSL. But I yeah. think I think that Coventry can definitely do next season perhaps what a lot of people were expecting them to do this season because Lewis is very much a business focused owner. Like he's like, I'll let Jay and the football club do what they need to do. Just tell me what you, you need. I'll handle the finding and I'll handle the putting the infrastructure in place. And I think that's 
that's the kind of owner that football clubs need. And I think yeah. now he's got a chance to put that in place. Hopefully, we'll see the potential of this Coventry team. But who knows? Just just to still be in the championship, that first game next season, the first home game next season celebrating, still being in the championship will be an occasion and a half, I think. Far more so than it would have been if it had been in the National League. I think it's going to be Sod's Law. You get Durham first and get Rio Hardy back down, I think. I think that's going to be Sod's Law. See what happens there. Uh, cause it's not really worked out for Durham, has it, really? She hasn't, she, hasn't, uh, she hasn't scored as many goals as I thought. And I've seen her a couple of times now. I thought she was, I think she's been put, wasn't she? She's gone up there. But fingers crossed, um, it's another season of consolidation for both clubs. Um, Paul, I'm going to um, let you go for a little bit because we're going to bring Lucy in because we do have part two of our um, last day of dramas. And I like what Paul says there. If you if you if you if you wrote a film or, or did a film about Coventry United and and what happened there, no one would believe it. If you wrote a film about the last day <laughs> on Saturday, it would be Fantasyland, wouldn't it, Lucy? I mean, what's yeah. going on there? I mean, like, it's let's let's rewind a little bit though. Let's rewind your first appearance on this podcast, and we were talking about you know what's going on, and and it was a little I think about fifteenth, fourteenth or something. It's quite early, still quite early on in the yeah. season. It was like October time, wasn't it? But yeah, it, we, it hadn't we started well. But no. what's happened since then? I mean, since January, they've just they've, I mean they barely lost a game. It's the, yeah. the form side. I mean, what's been the catalyst of that turnaround, really? I mean, yeah, like, obviously when I was last on, um, it was kind of like the follow-on from the season before. Like I said, we would lose one, win one, lose one, win one. Um, we didn't have any consistency. And I think for me, the game changer was Oxford United replay at home in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. So for people that don't know, it's the first round. We've gone up there and we've drawn 2-2. Uh, with, um, and we got uh, the replay on an 89-minute penalty. Kim, obviously, then has to play at Rovers. Um, and it was one all in normal time, and then and we played quite well. Like we done enough to we almost got like a win in normal time. And then in extra time, we we were three one down in the so inside the first five minutes of the oh god, and we were three one down at half time in extra time, and then and then this just crazy fifteen minutes because we were like well oh well that's a free weekend in December maybe I'll do some Christmas shopping. <laughs> and then this madness just ensued. So on that day, Sion Spence scored two. He got his first goal at Warsaw away when we came from 1-0 down to win 2-1. That was our first away win in something like almost a year. And Aaron Collins scored his first goal. And I'm sure we all get a mention for So later on in this show. Yeah, I've that written it down. <laughs> and and that, was, that was, for me, the turning point because... You know, to come from 3-1 down against a team, you know, they played their strongest team in the FA, and I know, yes, I know it's the FA Cup, but we hadn't done that. And it was like at home and it wasn't loads and loads of people attending, but the atmosphere and the belief that came from that night, it just, for me, it just changed everything. Um, And then we kind of picked up a, a couple of decent results. Um, We beat Harrogate away. Um. We'd be, um, I'm trying to think who else we'd beat them around that point. Um, <laughs> we'd lost to like Forest Green or um, Forest Green. That was frustrating. And then in December, we, we had a bit of a COVID outbreak. So we didn't barely play. We played Sutton um, in the FA Cup and got through. 
And then after that, we, we had COVID and we didn't play again until like January the 7th against Peterborough, again in the FA Cup. Um, and in that time, we just signed James Connolly on loan from Cardiff, who was the Cardiff Under-23s captain. We were, and we looked at the picture of him and we were like, oh, bless, he looks about 15. <laughs> like, what part is he going to play? Um, and the form, the, you know, him and Connor Taylor, who we also got on loan from Stoke, their, their partnership from, from then was just absolutely solid. And, you know, to have two centre-backs, basically, like, 2021, they've just been different class. Um, but I think the real the real big sign-in was on deadline day when we signed, I'm sorry to say, from Newcastle United on loan, Elliot Anderson. Now, when he came in, you know, fans were a bit like, why have we signed, like, a 19-year-old? Like, you know, he's in second midfielder. We've kind of wanted another forward. We got one, but we signed him. And he is honestly the bit of the difference. He is the reason we are in League One. That boy will play in the Premier League, I will tell you that now. I know he's only 19, but he has got bags of talent. Um, and I spoke to him on Saturday night, and he's honestly one of the most down-to-earth people. I don't think he believes that he's as talented as he is, because he is honestly amazing. And I think that's where it is. I think, like you said, we lost three times in the league since January, all the way from home against Oldham, Carlisle and Newport. Um, we haven't lost a game at home in the whole month, in the whole of 2022. Um, and yeah, this team, you know, Joe said that he wanted a team that, you know, didn't know when they were beaten, which is keep fighting and give 110% and fair play to them. They, they've done that. Every single one of them have done that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the kind of the week before last week was was quite interesting as well. Because obviously, you guys played and Northampton played on the Saturday, both won, and then um, I think it was Mansfield and Portfield played on the Monday. So you're like thinking already there on the Saturday, well, it's going to go down the final day anyway. However, Mansfield, if they'd beat Salford, would have gone into third, and you would have had what a couple of points difference. Um, even Portfield, if they won, would have like joined you guys, level on points. Like, describe that Monday for us then when, when you sat there watching. You, you're a Salford fan for 90 minutes. You were, you were a Newport fan for another 90 minutes. I mean, like, and then after after those games, they both, they both failed. They both, you know, bottled it, really. And then it just automatically then, surely you've never slept from Monday to Saturday. Yeah, so, well, I'll go back to the Saturday because actually Northampton drew with Exeter. Mm. Um, so... And I, I kind of completely forgot because I was so engrossed in our game. Um, and I, as people probably may or may not know, obviously we were away at Watchdale. So we, me and my friends had gone up for the whole weekend because bank holiday. We weren't making most of it. Um, and we were, we didn't, I don't know. It was just, we were like, we were 2-0 we were down quite early on. We'd had a couple of good chances or like early, early on. And then we went 2-0 down. We were thinking, oh God. I was texting my dad, he wasn't there. Um, and then we got one back, I think, quite early on in the second half, and then they got a third. And I texted um, text Derek saying, oh, it's 3-1, and he was like, oh, well, that's it. That's that then. Uh, you know, we're going to be in the playoffs. Mm. Well, we, you know, well, actually, we weren't, because when we were 3-1 down, with the results that were as it was, we were eighth. So keep that in mind. <laughs> and then, then we scored, I can't even remember. I know, I know Aaron got a hat-trick overall, but we got, you know, got three two, and then I think it was three three on eighty nine minutes, and but then after that it was just all one way traffic. 
and then we scored on the 95th minute because Rockstar was time wasting and we were like what are you doing like come on like there was times when uh, Luke Thomas came on and um after 30 minutes <laughs> one of the one of players kept going down and he literally picked up the medical bag and like took it off the pitch to basically get this player off the pitch because it's time wasting and in the end the time wasting gave us the six minutes and we scored in the fifth so it kind of worked in our favor um and then yeah we scored in the 95th minute and i i i i, I celebrated but i was just more in shock because i was like how have we done that and it, yeah again it was just you know we took like over two thousand fans for the second week in a row yeah. to like a northwest away team and yeah it was just chaos and then when we digested the result when we realized we were fourth so we, we'd convert the playoffs we were like oh amazing we're in the playoffs um but then then we write right port vale don't play today mansfield don't play today we were driving back and we were kind of following the salford mansfield game on our phones um and we were like just refreshing refreshing and honestly i thought i was gonna be sick just waiting for the result to come through so when i saw it was 2-2 i was like and uh, funnily enough a former rovers loney scored the equalizer for um for salford and we were like thank you so much <laughs> and then so when it went when i knew it was 2-2 i thought that's one down port vale's going obviously with port vale's a bit of a weird one because we obviously really want them to do well because of Daryl Clark, but in that mm-hmm. moment, I was like, kind of want you to not win. Um, and Newport have been on a really poor run of form. I think if we'd played them near the end of the season, not when we did in March, uh, we probably would have beaten them. Yes. But for some reason, they they had a decent game and, and they won. And we were like, oh my God, it's a straight shootout. Like, at worst, we're going to finish fourth. Not, not, not saying that we knew we were definitely going to beat the Scumfort because anything can happen in football, but we were like, well, we've got, we've got, we've got a chance. It's, it's in our own hands in terms of okay, we've got a win, um, and Barry needs to do us a favour. But I was like, well, to take it to the final day, whereas on eighty whatever minute, on seventy eight minutes or whatever it was when we got the second goal back, we were outside the playoffs mm-hmm. to confirm it and then have a chance. It was just like madness, and it was kind of like mirror image to almost what happened in. Um, 2016 so on the last so that this is why it's a bit weird what happened so in 2016 we were fourth going into the final day and we had to play already relegated uh Dagenham Redbridge um we went we went one nil down quite early um got back to one all um Oxford already winning so they were going to be in second but Atkinson were nil nil with Stevenage and we scored in the 92nd minute for Lee Brown to secure us about promotion to League One in front of the Thatcher's end. So that was just another crazy day. And it was the 7th of May as well. Right. So, yeah. And I thought, just lightning strike twice. But yeah, on the week, so after that game, after Monday, I just kept getting like waves of different emotions. Like I kept feeling anxious. I then felt excited. I then felt like I wanted to cry. And then it just happened again and again and again. It was just like that all week long until Saturday morning. So the day itself, um, obviously, any team out of yourselves, Mansfield, Poorville, Swindon, Northampton, I mean, there's like six teams that can, <laughs> can possibly go up for me. And it was still like, I think it was like Salford, uh, not Salford, there was Sutton United, there was Tramway who could have gone in the playoffs. I mean, nothing was confirmed apart from obviously the two that went down. But, we go into like 
the first few minutes of the Northampton Barrow game, and Northampton take a two 0 lead within about what fifteen twenty minutes. Do you think in there, you know, watching 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 Rovers, they're thinking mm, that's not to be? Yeah, definitely. Like when I woke up, it was a weird feeling because I woke up that morning and I had like a gut feeling that we were going to do it. I was like, I don't know why I felt like this, mm. but yeah. So we went. Um, so we knew that obviously the five teams potentially could get automatic promotion. But in realistic terms, it was between us two. But, you know, there were still things like the title and playoffs to be confirmed for other teams. Um, so, yeah, but when we knew we, they were kind of 2 nil up, it kind of felt like the atmosphere felt flat because everybody knew, you know, the bench was being told by the analysis guys. We were being told because people follow it on our phones. And it was just like we were kind of then looking at the table thinking, oh, who are we going to play in the playoffs? Is it going to be Swindon? Is it going to be Mansfield? Is it going to be Port Vale? Um and so, but then after that, we kind of went 2-0 up. So we were like, well, okay, well, we've got a chance. We've kind of given ourselves a couple of goals. Like, it's nice to go out on a win. Um, and then I think just after we scored the second, Northampton got a third. So we we needed, like, six more goals. And we are like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then, so me and my friend, uh, it was about 44 minutes, so we went into the bar you know, to have a half-time drink because I didn't really feel nervous at this point. I thought, well, okay, like, it, it is what it is. Like, yeah, like, resign you know, to we, it. We're, yeah. we're, we're winning, you know, it's mm. nice. it'd be nice to go into the pills for the win, um, you know, and, yeah, and then we had, we were in the bar queue and I remember just hearing someone say, oh, Barrow have got a goal back. I was like, definitely. And they're like, yeah, look. And then I was like, oh, I didn't even register who scored. I was like, oh, well, that means we need five this half. And we're like, huh. That would be funny if we scored five. Not going to happen, mind. Um, and then anyway, we just kind of had our drinks and then went back in for the second half. Yeah. So when when do you start to believe? Because we see, obviously, the Northampton game, it's 3-1. So we need five goals, basically, from, from Bristol Rovers. And then there's three, there's four, there's five. And then you think, and then when that, when that fifth one goes, I think there's still about, what, 15 minutes left, isn't there? Yeah, We yeah. can actually do this now. Uh, when yeah. the fifth goal goes in, yeah. So it was for me. It was the fifth goal. Um, it was a free kick. Um, in front of seats. So in the second half, they were shooting down our end. So a free kick, and um, and Anthony Evans was over it. And I think we all kind of felt the same. I just thought, I was just looking. I was like, he's gonna score this. I, like, I know he's gonna score, and it hit the back of the net. And me and my friends just looked at each other like. Oh my god, this could happen. We looked at the time. I think it was like seventy-two minutes or something. I can't even remember. Like it was such a. It feels like I remember everything, but it still feels like a blur. If that makes sense. And I remember me and my friend were looking at each other like, mm, like this is this could happen here. And then when we got the stick, then then I was starting to cry. So I was like, oh my god, like we literally need one goal, and we still had quite. I think we still had about ten minutes at this point. I was just like just watching the clock kind of tick down. Big screen was in the corner and the clock was kind of ticking on and just, you know, cheering the players on. Like, just, I had all my friends were just, like, shaking. Like, one of my friends was just keeping up to go together with the Northampton score, just knowing, like, what's happening. Me and my friend just, like, had to hold of each other's hands, like, trying, like, to hold it together emotionally. And then, yeah... Yeah, let, let's talk about the seventh goal then. Um, you've mentioned them already, um, on from from them up road. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they call them the Jordy Maradona up here. Um, you know, I think 
your belief is is some Newcastle fans believe. Whether he plays in the Premier League for Newcastle is another story with what they're planning on doing. But that's yeah, five. But the lads come in since on on deadline days. He said obviously Joey Barton I think's used his his connections in Newcastle to get him in. Scored eight goals. Eight goals for you. His eighth goal is is the seventh on on Saturday. I mean. What's going through your head there? Is it just, you know, uh, my knees are going to hurt, you know what I mean? Or um, off the chest or whatever. It's, it's just it must be so euphoric. It was like, so I remember seeing the cross going in and just seeing that, and it was almost like slow motion. And I think I took a breath in, he heads it, goes in, and I just fell to my knee. I just broke down crying. I just could not stop crying for about mm. 20 minutes. I was just like, oh my god this is not happening this is not happening it was just like i just hugged all my friends like we were just like and then obviously all the chaos and she where people got on the pitch was really frustrating because we wanted this game to just carry on yeah yeah and which was frustrating because then obviously they had to stop it it was annoying because the fans kind of got off really quickly but i think it's just kind of get the police to come up and the police weren't really there as a presence so that's why things stopped so long but then it was a weird moment because then we were then everyone had their phones up was following the Northampton game. And we saw that their goalkeeper had been sent off in yes. added time. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, that's a massive... If it stays, it's like, that's a massive miss for them because he'd been, like, the, I think, League Two player of the season in terms of the goalkeeper, like, League Two team of the season, goalie. And, and, I, and I actually, when later on, on Sunday, I watched it back and I was like, he handled outside the area. It's just... It was just one of those things where they'd obviously heard what's gone on. Mm-hmm. I think his head must have just gone. Yeah. It's just like such a basic error. And then we knew it was full time. So we were like, oh my God, like all we have to do is just hold on. And we've, we've won. Because obviously we scored. And then obviously then it was suspended. And it was like the longest 20 minutes of my life. Game restarted. And no one knew what time we were on. Because I was like, has he stopped it? Are we playing extra time? Like, what's going to happen? And I didn't really put a board up at some point. I think Rove was actually tweeting going, we don't know what video on, we're just going to start tweeting things. Um, and it's funny because actually when Scumfort came out, they had a little bit of a chance. But I mean, over the course of the game, I think they had one shot on target and we had 14. I mean, I mean, we could have genuinely won by like nine or ten that day. Anyway, we missed like two or three chances before we scored the third. And then the final whistle went and I just, I just started crying. I just couldn't believe what we did i was like i i I honestly even now i'm like it doesn't it feels like a dream yeah yeah um so we just hugged me and my friends just hugged each other and then we like ran down and then i I took a picture that i really wanted to take um people may may not have seen it online um yeah i've seen it um i obviously if, if you probably if you listen to the first one, I said that I lost my granddad. Mm-hmm. Actually, the day we got relegated last season, and obviously he was a massive Ravens fan, and I'd, the only person I told that I was doing it was my mum, so it was her dad. Um, so I was like, I wanted to print a picture off so I could have it in my bag, just in case we got promoted, because I didn't think we were going to do it, but I just wanted it in there. So I got to take that picture and posted it, put it in my bag, we obviously everyone just ran on the pitch then after that um and i just found found loads and loads of people just hugging people crying and then once the crying stopped then i was just smiling and i don't think i've stopped smiling since and then yeah we just 
partied long into the night. We partied down in the fan zone on the pitch, down Gloucester Road in town. I mean, it was just the last kind of the whole weekend is just something that I'll never forget. Like, I was texting my friends on the Monday and I was like, this has been the best weekend of my life mm. ever, 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 ever. I don't know if this ever be topped. Let's talk, let's go into that celebrations a little bit more because obviously, um, I mean, obviously you mentioned that picture there, uh, which I thought was so heartwarming. Obviously, when you first came on, you mentioned then when you last got promoted, you went up and found your granddad, didn't you? And, you know, give him a hug and stuff like that. Yeah, after. yeah. So that day I was in the black, um, on the Thatcher's end, so that's behind the goal. Mm. My mum, my auntie and my nan and granddad were in the family enclosure. Um, so obviously... You know, for me, I was like, obviously, it's been like a really, it's been like, a, obviously, amazing to watch the season with my friends and be back, of course, with my dad. Yeah. Obviously, it's not felt the same without him. So I kind of want him there, you know, because obviously it was his club as much as mine. Um. So, yeah, I wanted to do that just to, you know, be like, you you, you were here too. Um, and then, yeah, later on in the, in the, you know, obviously, everyone was on the pitch. And then, um, I think I can't even remember what time it was. We kind of were moving around because we wanted to see where the players were getting like the trip, like the champagne or whatever they were drinking. I think they were drinking all cider, to be honest. Um, and then I looked, I turned around and I saw my mum and dad. Um, so I ran up to them and I gave them a big hug and then I cried because I saw my mum. And she said, My dad had run on pitch with his mates. And then she just said, She just sat on the step and she cried because obviously she knew how much it meant. And she said she'd forgotten that I'd had the picture in my bag as well. Um, and she said that um, she texted um, my nan um, and my nan's sister who'd watched it um, on iFollow at home um, and and they'd cried as well. So I think everyone had cried that day, my family. So yeah, it was a really, a really emotional day, but a really, really special one as well. Yeah, and then obviously there's the um, there's the iconic picture of um, is it Aaron Collins um, on a lamppost, which has, has done the rounds. <laughs> it, it, it sounds as if that celebration did go long into the night. Yeah, it did. So um, we, so me and my friends went into the fans zone because there was a band on, like ga- like a gaslight band singing, and that was amazing. Just to, like seeing a red pints, it felt like a mini festival to be honest. Mm-hmm. Then we walked down Gloucester Road, and it was shut off again second time in six years um, and another players were out at this point it's just about half past eight um found my parents in their pub pub wouldn't let us in but it was fine because we were in another pub so we got to chat to them for a bit and my mom's like when will i see you next i said probably be sunday morning which was the case <laughs> um went to the pub drank some more and then yeah and then in that time the players had come down the road um aaron had somehow climbed up the traffic lights I don't know how we got up the traffic lights, to be honest, and play, players on people's shoulders. And then we ended up out, um, we actually ended up at a party where all the players were, which was amazing, um, you know, to be a part of it as well. And everyone was so, so lovely. Um, but it was quite funny because um, both Aaron and one of the other players, Nick Anderton, were there. I mean, this was a very posh club in Bristol, I must say. I mean, I wasn't dressed posh. My friends who were with us, like this couple of us, they were in rover shirts. And those two turned it up in a uh, full kit. It was like full on John Terry full kit, yeah. which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, those celebrations went long into the night. And then we had to do it all over again on Sunday for the um, end of season awards. Um, although we're certain that Aaron Collins didn't actually sleep that day. He went, uh, he, he was he was still in his uh, flag 
and share it and show it. Probably still be in his stripper. I mean, I would I would advise anyone, even if you're not a Rose fan, just to go and read for Aaron Collins' tweets from the last few days. They've been, I mean, there's now an out of context Aaron Collins account. That's how ridiculous he's been. But the thing is. I love it because that's what it's about. Like, mm. you don't get that in the pre- I don't know if people are like, oh, well, he's, you know, Premier League. It was just, it was just proper emotion and it was just amazing. And yeah, it was just two days that I'll never forget. I mean, I woke up, to be honest, on uh, Monday morning with a very, very heavy head. I think I actually woke up on the bathroom floor at one point because <laughs> we, we celebrated again on the Sunday at the player, at the um, end of season awards. So that was really cool to be invited along to that but yeah like I said just the best weekend of my life I'll never ever forget it yeah and, and there was there was an award one wasn't the fair game to the award so congratulations for that yeah I mean that was a massive shock because we know we knew we got invited and um, well we, we, we were at they asked if they would like to come along and we were like oh this is amazing I've never been to like these awards before like this is gonna be really cool um, and then my friend's boyfriend, um, part of the like, Rovers podcast, were there too on a on a different table to us. And when we, we came, they were like, oh, you two are on table 13 and the boys were on table 45. And we were like, what? And then we were walking in, like, table 13. And we're like, God, we're like front row. Like, why are we at the front? And, and then, yeah, it got to this special achievement award, which is named after the chairman Um of rovers from like the 80s and 90s who'd passed who passed away in the last few years um but his son and uh, wife is still involved in the club um and when we saw like our faces and part of the video clipped up on there like i we were just in absolute shock but obviously from the night before <laughs> Kaz lost her voice pretty much I mean, she sounded like Sean Dyke. She won't appreciate me saying, but she sounded like <laughs> Sean Dyke. And as we were watching it, she turned to me and was like, you know, you're going to have to do the speak. You're going to have to speak now. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, there's like, there's like 45 tables with like eight to 10 people on. I was like, oh, we're going to speak in front of people. Like, I hadn't prepared anything. So I had like 20 seconds in my head to just talk. And I said to my mum and dad afterwards, I was like, I don't remember anything. I said, not because I drank loads at this point. I just don't remember. It was such a blur. Mm. But she said, you know, she said, oh, you Kaz said to me, it's like, you were absolutely amazing. Like, I don't even know where that came from. Like, you got everything out. I was like, I don't know. I think I just spoke from the heart, really. I just, just didn't even, I don't even remember what I said. And it was, like, so terrifying. But, yeah, it was, it was, it just, it was an, a, a complete honour and a massive shock. And we were so, so proud to accept it on behalf of all the girls. But it honestly, it just topped off, like, the, like the, the best weekend. And, yeah, and then we went to celebrate afterwards. Um, again in town was just really really fun and yeah and I wonder why I woke up on the bathroom floor, <laughs> floor after two days of celebrating very very hard I, I know you won't want to think about this already because obviously the end of the season has just, just happened and, and, and after what's happened on Saturday but next season you know, will will Rovers more than likely be one of the favourites to go down? But like I said to Paul before, it's it's just about consolidating, isn't it? And if if Joey Barton can bring in some of the signs like he has with Eddie Anderson, I mean, there's no no one thinking Eddie Anderson might come back there, might he? You know, it, it could happen. I know he's been rumoured with a couple of Championship teams, but if 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 he can do that in the last in the season, you're still going in in a lot of form, aren't you? And and that still goes into you know the 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 next season, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the thing. I think the thing is, 
this is what this is really weird because this club or sorry, this squad reminds me of the 2016 squad where the bond is so strong and everyone gets on really well. There's no bad eggs in the team, like especially since January. And every they're all given 100%. They get on so, so well. And you could just see that on the weekend. Um, and I think, you know, if we can keep Connor Taylor um, and James Connolly, obviously, if we could get Ellie Anderson back, that would be a massive bonus. And to you know, keep um, Evans on a longer contract, you know, keep those core players. And then, you know, we've already signed Belshaw on a longer deal. He's been an absolute revelation since he's coming from Harrogate. Um, you know, you know, we signed Luke Hall on a longer contract. You know, he's another one who's come through the academy. You know, if we can keep like the core kind of nucleus of the team and then just add, you know, with League One quality players, obviously, you know, consolidation is the first thing. But, you know, when a team's on a good run, there's no reason why they can't stop. But we know League One, this especially, is going to be tough. You know, we've seen, you know, you know, you have Derby counties now in there who are a yeah, massive, yeah. massive club. You know, you've got teams like Ipswich who underperformed, Portsmouth underperformed, Charlton underperformed, Plymouth just missed out on the final day. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, MK Dons. You know, there's there are some big teams in that league. Um, so we're you know we're under no illusions, but um, yeah, I'm just looking forward. I'm just really looking forward to it. I mean, the only thing I'm, I'm probably am looking forward to is a bit of a break because I have so many bruises for the last few weeks <laughs> <laughs> <Celebrating>. <laughs> um, i know we yeah. mentioned this off air uh before but as much as i said you know i really i really do want to like you know meet you and Kaz because obviously you know i think we've kind of like you know you've been on this four times i've known Kaz a couple of years obviously with broke or and like that i just don't want to play next season <laughs> i want us to go <laughs> in the best you know terms possible not next season <laughs> no i know and that's the thing it's like we you know, that's what I was saying. I said, I really, really hope it's Sunderland's time. You know, it, I mean, the playoffs are a lottery and they're the best way to win, but the cruelest way to lose. Um, and I know that a lot of fans will probably really want to see you go up. And I do obviously want to see you go up, but then, you know, if you don't, then we get a weekend in right, Newcastle. Nice so yeah. I can't complain with that if it's obviously the fixtures for right. But like I said, we've we'll, we'll just got to wait and see. That's it. I, t- I just want to very quickly bring Gary in because I do want to go over the playoffs. Um, so obviously, uh, Milton Keynes, who finished third in the league and was so close as well, Gary, to, to get in there. You know, they were the form team going to the last day. They, they, they ended up, you know, they ended up, like I say, having even gone into the playoff final, they've lost to Wigan. And <laughs> the, the role, of course, that is supporting Sunday FC. Um, we took a 1 0 lead. Um, maybe well deserved, should have been more on Friday night. Very good performance. And then Monday night, I mean, that, I don't like them games. And I, I, got, I got wrong in my local club off my dad because I was just sit, sat down shaking my knee. So I just had to stand up. I was like the bouncer, just walking, <laughs> like to and fro. And I mean, I mean, Gary, we're there. Um, as Lucy said, it's it's the best way to win. It's the cruelest way to lose. It's also the most expensive way to lose as well, the bloody tickets. Um, but what are you expecting, Gary, from Wembley? I mean, surely it's our time. I don't want to say anything because I said this last year when we got beaten the second leg off Lincoln um, and I thought we would go on and I thought we'd, it was going to be our time then. Um, you know, I feel... We've avoided MK Dons, which I was a little bit concerned about because they are in good form, and especially Scott Twinney, he's in class form. I can see him going to a, a good championship side. 
uh, maybe Twine. next season. Twine. Twin. Oh, I thought Twine. it was twenty. Scott Twine. Twine. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I thought it was Scott Twine. Twine. Like, Twine, yeah, we call him Twine. Um, I think he's a cracking player and, you know, he's he, he's done really well there, but I can definitely see him going somewhere else next season. Um, credit to Wickham. Played very good football. Got, got a good coach who's got them, you know, playing good football. But we've took four points out of six off them this season. Puts us in good stead. Um, what I didn't like is, you know, when we played them and we got a free-free draw with them, we dropped the lead twice against them. A mm-hmm. mi- three times, maybe, I think. I can't remember off the top of my head because I know I was working at the time. Um, but that that's the easier... I feel that's the easier game. I'd rather play Wickham more than anyone else. Um Friday, I thought we looked good. Um, especially in the second half early on, I thought we were absolutely fantastic. Like took it to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, then I got a little bit scared towards the end of the 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 first leg game. I thought, well, we're gonna something's gonna happen here. Taking it to Hillsborough, um, you know, I was a bit scared. We were in on that on their patch. Had a feeling they might come back and you know get a goal, which they did. Um, didn't like that. That wasn't good for me heart at all. I, um, but then, as we were talking in the group chat, went uh, Alex Neil time, as I like to call it. Um, ten minutes or uh, extra time as well, and Patrick Roberts pops up and wins it for us. And I was absolutely buzzing because I felt if we went to extra time or penalties, I wasn't favouring us in penalties. Definitely not. Oh. Um, I feel like when it's penalties, it comes down to Patterson versus Peacock Corral. I think Peacock Corral's better would be better at penalties. I feel with Patterson, you could tell he was nervous um, with some of the decisions he's made, um, which, again, like we said, nearly give us a heart attack. Uh, Bailey Wright, definitely give him another year contract, like, because he was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. I think as well you notice with certain players as well. So I'm going to use Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts, um, you know Alex Pritchard. Um, that's just a couple of players I'm going to name. You, you can tell that they they've came from like good production lines and good training academies because their first touch and the their control of the ball is fantastic. Like Jack Clark, I wasn't a big fan of him in the second in the first half, but in the second half, I thought he was really really good, and I think you know. He held onto the ball quite a lot, probably a little bit longer than he probably should, but I did feel like Jack Clark made a big difference in the second half. Um, Lyndon Gooch looks at a completely different player under Alex Neal. He just needs to kind of let go of the ball a little bit uh, earlier because I feel like he hesitates a lot with his uh, with his end quality. Um, but I think we deserve to be at Wembley. Uh, Wembley. I do deserve, think we deserve to be in the playoff final. I think we played well um one thing i like about the way neil's got the team lined up is the way you can adjust it so we're playing circan at left back and i think circan's actually quite a good player um but if we need to really pack it up and you know try and hold on to a lead we can bring circan into center back and pull jack clark into, into a wing back position and i really like the way he's got us lined up and he's very tactical and he's, he's a very smart manager and i think you know he is a championship manager and i think Please, please, the hope that we're going to be there, but we'll we'll see in two weeks, in a week and a half. Sorry. I've got a little, I've got a little, well, not a fact. I've got like a little bit of information about it. Like, I don't know if you've, um, if if you guys have been to Wembley, Lucy and Paul, but you get like an east side and a west side of the of the ground. Yeah. Um, and normally, I've been, to, I've been to Wembley twice with Rovers, and CNS went twice. 
Uh, I've never seen us win once yet. You know, the only time we've won at Wembley since 1973 was last season and it was behind closed doors, but that's... No uh, way. Yeah. So there's like an east side and a west side of the ground. It's basically on... It's basically based on geography normally. Um, so if you, like, say, from the north, you get the east side because it's closest coming off the tube. Um, and if you, like, say, a London club, like, what well, we can it's a west side. Now, this time, it's been rules first. So something on the west, we're going on the east. Now, ever since 1973 where some of them were actually on the west side. Every time they beat a Wembley, which is 1992, um, 1988 in the Milk Cup final, um, in the playoff final, 1997 and 98, in uh, the League Cup final against Marseille, uh, in the Championship Trophy against Portsmouth, and in the League One playoff three years ago against Charlton, they have been on the east side and lost every game. Next Saturday, we're on the west side. Oh. So for me, it's just, it's like, it's, uh, it's just, it's yeah. all going on. But... I think we must have been on the west side then both times. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm trying to think. It's hard because, you know, you know where you sit, but I feel like we're on the, we on the west side. Yeah, like, the, the west like side one, opposite what was the old dugout. You know, seven just onwards and like round. You know, the only, you know the only thing never to have been beaten at Wembley? Ever? Uh, is that commentary? <laughs> Been twice, won twice. There we go. Wow. Alex Neal unbeaten in playoffs as well. Been... Alex Neal's unbeaten in playoffs as well, so that could play in our favour. Hancock always on the west side as well, so I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we need to be on the west side as well. I think what what's kind of the sorry, Lucy, go on. All I was going to say was um is. With playoffs, it always feels like the team that are lower rank, like seventh or sixth, seem to be the ones that go up. It's very rare you see one, two, three. So that's why, mm-hmm. even though I thought MK Dons were, you know, when they battered Plymouth, I thought, I did think to myself, oh, they're going to, yeah, they're going to ramp all over, um, ramp all over Wickham, and then they won, and then Wickham won. It was kind of like, hmm, maybe, you know, it's, it's it's strange. I think playoffs are such a weird thing. But, I mean, I did read something, though, that I was like, if I was your manager, and I mean, it, you know, I'm sure you just need to do any sort of team talks. I would definitely be putting up on the changing room. What the chairman of Wickham said about, you Yes, know, about the Netflix club or something, wasn't it? It's just, yeah, it said all... It, Something like, oh, they're a Netflix club. I was like, you know, all the thirty years for their Netflix show or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I mean, I know, I know our man, our old manager. Well, <laughs> Joey said we were going to get promoted in August after losing four one, and our other manager said, um, saying we were go, <laughs> we are going up in the pub before the playoff final before we play Grimsby, and okay, both times it happened. But I know you've got to be so careful. Because it can absolutely bite you in the face. Yeah, I, I just kind of think it. It, it kind of it's, it's with with this whole short and right? actually with with Paul with Conry with yourself at Bristol with us at Sunderland. Actually, it's form and and obviously you know I just want to be in eight days, nine days time, whatever it is to be talking whenever we next do a ball ache after that and to be talking that we've been promoted. You know, I just want to be as happy as what you used to where on your last. I know it was complete contrasting. You know, one team staying at one team going up. I just want to be as happy as what you used to were. You know, I've yeah. seen, obviously, I've heard Paul's commentary. I've seen your pictures, Lucy, and and everything. I just want to be as happy as what you used to were. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> it's not just about getting our league one. I just want to feel happy again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or, 
we'll hopefully pick that up in a couple of weeks. Um, like I say, I, I'm, I'm with Gary. I don't want to tempt fate too much, but yeah. it does feel different this time around. We're going in in form. So, um, but what we'll do is we'll we'll finish off. We'll we'll do uh, baller and balling of the week. I'll start with baller. We'll start with Gary because he hasn't spoken much uh, tonight. So Gary, you, it's your baller of the week. I feel like oh, like I really want to give it to Luton because Luton's had a fantastic season. They're in the playoffs. Let's be honest, the stadium is very, very old, old-fashioned. Um, imagine Luton making it to the Premier League and Erling Haaland potentially playing away to Luton. Like, that would be scenes. It would be absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic. That's and, awesome. you know, credit to Luton. You know, they've, they've played well all season. They've managed to keep the spot in the playoffs when I think Middlesbrough were creeping up on them. Um and fair play to them. Like I think, you know, they deserve to be there. And secretly, I feel like Nottingham Forest are the favourites because Steve Cooper's done a brilliant job there. Um, and he's got some good players coming through the ranks as well in Brennan Johnson. But uh, secretly, I'd love to see Luton do it. You know, I really would. And like, I just, I don't know. I just want to see them do it. Yeah, fair play, Paul. We'll go to you next, man. Um, if this was last week. I'd have picked Molly Green, obviously, but it's a bit late for that one. Um, Luton are a good shout, but just be just because of what they did, I think the entire Bristol Rovers team, because <laughs> only because genuinely, I was on there watching that, and we and just going, we should be covering the league two more because we were just keep trying to keep track of everything, and it was just, you know. I thought nothing would match Coventry in terms of me washing it and going flipping heck, that's a miracle. But that came pretty close. And just to pull that off. And also to annoy Northampton, who we don't like in Coventry much. On, on behalf of everyone at Bristol Rovers, you were very, very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Northampton took it that well either, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's even better. Um, Lucy, I think I know who your ball of the week's going to be. So but go for it anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, a part of me just want to give it to Aaron Collins and also Nick Anderton for going up the traffic lights on Gloucester Road and just giving us the best picture of all time. But there is only one man, and I'm sorry to to shout him out again, but it has to be Elliot Anderson. I just, I, if this is the last time I ever see him live for Rovers, then thank God I've had the last four months because I, I could, I could literally do a whole podcast about how much I love that that player and just talk through every single goal he scored and every single assist, and you know, it's just. Yeah, I mean, he scored the goal that has sent us up and given us all the best weekend of our lives and, the, and probably the great, the, be, the best hangover. I mean, for our players now, they're all in Dubai currently celebrating, thanks to our owner who paid for them all to go um, and having a lovely time. I mean, Aaron, like I said, Aaron's probably on a four-day bender at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, fair play to him. I don't blame them at all, um, all the rest of them. So, yeah, it's got, it's got to be him. Um, yeah, watch out all traffic lights in uh, Dubai. I think. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, we we are an unbiased podcast, even though me and Gary both London fans. We can appreciate a good player, and and he is that. He is a good player, so that's fair enough. Um, I'm gonna change sports for mine, and mine is uh, Ben Stokes for probably the best knock I've ever seen in my life. Um, which to be fair, out I'm a massive cricket fan, and now my top five favourite knocks of all time. I think uh, Ben Stokes, Ben Stokes, Ben Stokes, Ben Stokes, Ben Stokes. And that was 
the man's first innings back. Never mind his first game. It was his first innings, and he hits 160 odd off about 20, 25 balls, whatever it was. You know, um, five sixes in a row for you over, and you just see how good he was when that six six didn't go. When it just dropped short as well. I mean, I felt sorry for the the poor guy. He was bowling. He was only 18, but to credit the Stokes, he texted him actually on the night said, look, it gets better. So it's just... That's class. That just shows class. class. It is. It's genuine class. I mean, we, we can talk the... about Ben Stokes all night anyway. What, well, I mean, what bloke. And I think that's the thing. If it wasn't for what happened with Rovers this weekend, I think mm-hmm. he would have been mine as well because... Yeah, oh, I, I just can't wait to see what he can do. Yeah, so well done, Stokes. Yeah, we'll, we'll change. We'll go to ball eight. So there's always a sublime. There's a ridiculous as well. So... I'll tell you what, we'll start with MC for this one, the ball leg of the week. Um, I am going to go for something which happened today, which I'm sh- many of you might have seen, many of you not might not have seen. I'm going to go for Rob Edwards, former Forest Green manager, now Watford manager, leaving them three days after winning the title. I mean, I was... There was rumours going around, that, you know, he was with the QPR job or, you know, other jobs in the Championship, and I thought, oh, you know, it might happen, it might happen in the summer. But then to, and then I think it came out, I think through Adam, I can't think of his last name, from The Athletic. And, and he said, oh, you know, it looks like he's going to Watford. I thought, no, surely not, not, not now. And then mm-hmm. it was like, and then they put out this statement for a screen. And I was like, oh gosh. And then I saw Del Vince on the local news. And the way Watford have gone about, and Rob and his agent itself, just doesn't sound very good. Seems like they've gone behind and kept it all quiet because apparently that's what it's Asian and the club had told him to do. I mean, he might have done it, sounds like it might have been a done deal before Saturday. I've got actually got a question for you, and I am sorry to interrupt Lucy, but I've noticed quite recently Forest Green, who were, you know, running away with the league, I know they won it, but they fell off a cliff, didn't they, in March? Yeah. I'm wondering if this has been in the pipeline for a little while. And I, uh, I, I, I actually that's a really good point, actually, because I we one of my one of my really, really good friends is actually media guy Exeter. And when they played us in February, I said to him, I said, you know, I really think you're gonna win the title there. I think you've you've been the best team over both I thought Exeter were gonna win it. So I was surprised when I saw Forest Green. I mean, I didn't really take too much notice of I'm being honest, but I thought, well, okay, they they had run away with it at the first half of the season. The second half, even against us, they literally came for a point because that's all they knew they needed to do. They weren't really... It was... OK, they might, our goalkeeper did make a couple of good saves, but they weren't really, you know, as good as they were back in November. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe that was the case. Um, but the players... I don't think the players would have known because they were like, obviously so happy. But, yeah, I just, I just thought it was kind of a bit of a... A dodgy way to go about things and not right not really the right way to go about things and kind of from the high of you know winning the title getting promotion going into the league one for the very first time for them to then your manager leaving is kind of a bit of i mean and i think he's only been there a year because obviously they got rid of mark cooper and then rob came in it's kind of a massive kind of smack back down to earth yeah, he's no, they're not happy at Forest Green either. Said the hope that uh, Watford uh, wallow in the Championship for uh, for as long as possible, and they're going to end up playing. So yeah. I, I mean, that, and the thing is, you know, when you see Watford's managerial record, like they don't exactly. really give them till like November. So I'll be very, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how it gets on, and you know what it looks like 
Yeah, it's a massive gamble. It's a massive it's gamble. It's a huge gamble. Yeah. We'll, we'll go to Paul for, for your ball league of the week, Matt. Uh, um, I've, I've kind of got one that snuck in at the last minute as an honourable mention, which is Thomas Tuchel today talking about how horrible it is to be at one of the richest clubs in the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And, you know, obviously, with between the between the three three the four of us, we know about football heartache and dodgy owners. And seeing Thomas Tuchel go, oh, no other club has had to suffer this. Go away, fella. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually going to nominate a League One team, and it is the MK Dons. And I am so glad that they didn't make it because of what they did. To, have you seen the thing where Wickham fans at the MK Stadium? Which is, you know, they get 5,000 in a 30,000 seat stadium anyway, so they're wrapping around the place. Mm. But basically, they split the Wickham fans in half. Yes. yes. And, um, they, were to- they, they only gave them a small allocation and said, you know, it's sporting advantage. Then they split them in half. And I'm just, behave. As a notice as well. That um, I think it was Gary's friend Twinney hit a free kick and hit the side net and the player could crowd noise in. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch yeah. the game. That's yeah, that, they won 100% out crowd noise in that ground to try and help a little bit of atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you want as I'm well. It's uh, Scott Twain, yeah. Anyway, but but just when you're splitting fans up and stuff like that in a playoff final, you just rot in League One and I hope Bristol Rovers thump them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, we'll go to you. Uh, right, so ball ache. Um, you know, we spoke about this before, and I was gonna say obviously Watford and Rob Edwards, um, because I thought that was an absolute shambolic decision in his career suicide, to be quite frank for him. Um, but I'm gonna go with uh Luke Ayling and just generally leads his disciplinary record. I mean, what was Luke Ayling thinking the other day? I mean, he looked like literally slid on ice, like it looked like he was in the winter walking with his shopping and slid on ice and absolutely wiped out. Um, I can't remember who they were playing, but it was an absolutely awful challenge. Arsenal, yeah, against Martinelli, actually, yeah, it was. It was an awful, awful challenge. Like, what was he thinking? And you know what? Jamie Jamie Carragher said it the right way. He's like, he's an excellent footballer, but my, what an idiot. Um, (laughs) Disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. So, yeah, that's my ball. But I do do also want to give, like, an honourable shout-out as well to... uh, Someone who Lucy will be quite the fan of, Josh Kay. I do hope he got sorted with his golf holiday, like, because that was hilarious what he put on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that bloke does not need to buy a fight in Bristol anymore. I can tell you that now. Oh, <laughs> have you seen it, Antway? He put on about PayPal donations. And, yes, uh, yes. Someone's like, yeah, oh. See the uh, guy who scored for uh, Barrow? Aye. Yeah, a fair play. <laughs> I loved some of the comments actually that were underneath. That was really, really cool. Um, mine is a favourite of the show, actually, Emma Raducanu. Um, she's broke up with a coach. Obviously, this was a couple of weeks ago now, but that girl's made a glass. Like, she keeps on retiring from games. She retired yesterday, and I think it's a back spasm or something. She she got hammered a week before and blamed on a bad back. She's got blisters on her feet. She's got all sorts wrong with her, and they're getting into a, we're getting into the part now where you know we are going to be talking about tennis uh, coming up, Gary. Obviously, because we've got Wimbledon, the French Open coming up. But I worry about a long term longevity in the sport because she she keeps on seemingly picking up these little niggles, and 
for it's, I know it's her first year on the tour and she's going to pick up things like that, but it seems to be every week she's got a new injury. So I'm a little bit worried about her, to be honest. Yeah, there's, I think there's issues there with Raducanu, to be honest. I mean, she had four coaches in less than a year, and I reckon that her dad's got some kind of control over what's going on with stuff. Um, but I reckon there's some, mi- yeah, there's some mitigating issues maybe there as to what's going on with her training, maybe. Um, I feel like the, the, the whole picture is that her dad's very, very harsh on her. But... Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I just I hope I mean like I say I'm not I'm not giving up on her at all yet, but it just seems like I say every every week it's you you're reading about her and she's won like she wins a couple of games and you think, Oh, she's turning around and then she's retired from a game and you think, Hmm, is, is there something a little bit something underlying there? But hopefully she picks it up. But I mean to be fair, I already picked her because I couldn't think of anybody else. Yeah, you know, like this I think it's been it's just been such a good week of sport, I think, you know, we've had like quite a lot of good Publicity, you know, Martin Brundle not getting people's names right on the grid. What was possibly up there, but um, you know, I, I, yeah. Did you get like Patrick Mahomes confused with like, some other NFL player? Yeah, yeah, it is. Lesson. He does try. He does. It's only the biggest NFL player in the world who he didn't recognise in America. That is not going to up for that. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I wouldn't know who he is. So you know, I'm not getting paid thousands of thousands of pounds to a grid walk and interview with the uh, the greatest in the the greatest stars on this planet. So that's it. I think we'll leave it at that guys. We've been recording for quite a while. Um so obviously Paul, congratulations for coming I'll see you at some point next season, I'm sure. Um all the best, buddy. Indeed, thank you. And to you and to Lucy, I hope that as someone else has gone from league whose team's gone from League Two to the championship very quickly. Yeah, and and Lucy, obviously, thanks very much again for coming on. Obviously, we'll have to pay you a wage at some point. Um, But in the best in the best way possible, I hope I don't see next season. No, I I completely understand what you're saying, and yeah, obviously. All the best for next Saturday. Um, yeah, I'll be. I'm sure I'll be watching and giving you a fingers crossed. So fingers yeah, crossed. good luck. Yeah, Gary, as always. Cheers, buddy. No worries, man. It's been a pleasure having you both on there, guys. Have a nice night. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a happy pod, isn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll be back. I think next week. I'm not sure. We'll we'll find something to talk about. You know, there is a small matter of the league one playoff final. Um, but uh, up until then, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Um, thanks to our two guests tonight. Uh, you all stay safe. Thanks very much. Good night, everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.